Every house has mice in the walls. Some mice are sneakier than others. Some are a nuisance. And some are so ancient and powerful that it's really more accurate to say that you live in their walls. Welcome to the Crypto Naturalist. is always changing. It's often a slow process, so sometimes it seems like it's standing still. But rest assured, listener, nature is on the move, adapting, changing, reacting, learning, and creating. Think about it. Even as little as 10,000 years ago, you would face a vastly different planet. Seemingly alien megafauna and not a parking lot in sight. And what is 10,000 years to the Earth? The blink of an eye. The same, of course, is true of crypto nature. The parts of the natural world that aren't as obvious and open as the woolly mammoth or the common Sasquatch. Change comes to the hidden as surely as it comes to the common. It's a law of living things, as surely as gravity or the conservation of energy is a law of the physical world. The changing nature of our world has also led us humans to be obsessed with learning the origins of things. Our brains love to categorize. So, we look at the great chaotic flux of our world, the rise and fall of countless species and ecosystems, and we work to painstakingly draw connections and classifications. See, what crypto-naturalists know, however, is that logical connections don't always carry a lot of weight out in the field. Let's just take owls, for example. Owls hatch from eggs, right? Well, that's true, sometimes. But there's more than one way an owl can be born. Stick with me here. Imagine an autumn evening at twilight, if you will. Jacket weather. The street lights are just humming to life. Somebody's having a campfire somewhere. You can smell it on the air. There's that dry, scraping noise of dead leaves blowing across asphalt, and your shoulders tense up before you can process the origin of the sound. You flinch at a leaf shadow tumbling across your driveway and the shadows notice you flinching. The thought gets in under their skin, starts them asking questions to your back as you walk away. Are we something to fear, the shadows ask? Two nights later, the shadows pile up into three dimensions, hop twice and fly off on soundless wings. And Bob's your uncle. There's one more owl in the world. I've seen it happen. Some of y'all are saying that that doesn't make a lick of sense. Well, what of it? It might not make sense, but neither does a bird that travels to Brazil visiting the same pond in Ohio annually like clockwork. Neither does a bacterium living in volcanic heat or a bioluminescent fish swimming at a depth where the water pressure would crush a car. 
making sense and finding truth are often two different things. That feeling when something doesn't make sense doesn't square with your worldview. Now, that's an important feeling, friends. That feeling means it's time to make a choice. On the one hand, you can shut down, label something as impossible, and dismiss it from your mind. On the other hand, you give yourself over to curiosity and open up your senses to new possibilities. Guess which one I prefer. Well now, that's enough philosophical jawing from me. Let's dig into today's fieldwork. All of my talk about change and origins and embracing the unlikely, well, it's because I do believe I've discovered something entirely new. But friends, this one's a little strange, even for me. Of course, some cryptids have become adept at hiding in plain sight. From the tribes of bipedal rodents that live in highway medians, to the electric neon sign gecko. Plenty of cryptids have rolled with the punches of human expansion, hidden wonders in human landscapes. That, friend, is the topic of today's episode. However, our story doesn't take place in an urban population center, but in a rural countryside in southwest Pennsylvania, a place with vast seas of corn, patchwork woods and little towns set amongst some beautiful wilderness. All right, enough beating around the bush. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Some barns are not barns. <sighs> Crypto naturalists are a curious bunch, but I don't blame you if this one stretches your incredulity. I felt the same way, but stick with me. I'm not just telling tales here. Before you send me a transmission on the crypto-naturalist frequency, just hear out my field report and, hopefully, you'll join my research and round out our understanding of this new creature. After all, everything is weird the first time you encounter it. Hey, speaking of weird, maybe we should start my report with a little poetry just to get us in the right frame of mind. It's time for today's Hidden Lore segment. Today's Hidden Lore is a poem titled Be Mine by Amber Belinsky. There's a woman in the mountain. I see her come out sometimes, emerging from the jagged canyons, sitting on the cracked boulders, looking out to the horizon, watching the storm clouds creep closer. There's a woman in the mountain. Some say she's a vampire, but I see her in broad daylight, soaking up the warm sun on a cold winter's day, arms outstretched, twirling to music no one else can hear. There's a woman in the mountain. Some call her a ghost, but I see her at the gas station late at night, buying moon pies and Milky Ways, biting into one as she leaves the store. There's a woman in the mountain. It took some time, and one day I gathered the courage to hike the mountainside. When I reached her, the skies were shades of pink, purple, and blue. Her arms stretched out, offering a helping hand for that one last step. She smiled softly and asked, Does this mean that you will be mine? I like this poem. 
I like the idea of building an unusual life on a mountainside. I like people who are hard to define. And I love it when the weird becomes familiar, becomes love, becomes home. Amber Belinsky is an artist and writer trying to survive the thralls of the Sonoran Desert by respectfully fearing the heat from indoors. Find her on Twitter at Resin Quotes. Cassandra and I pulled off a little two-lane highway in corn country and drove off-road into a pasture that was more clover than grass. The land sloped down to an old, age-faded barn. The middle of the roof sagged a bit, and its weathered boards were the dark gray of tobacco ash. There was nothing unusual looking about the field or the barn, except that I had been on that same stretch of back road frequently six months earlier, investigating a cashmere possum sighting far north of their usual range. There had been no field and no barn then. I was certain of it. There was also no sign of recent construction, tree clearing, or any other indication that a hundred-year-old barn had recently been reconstructed on the site. It was inexplicable. The obvious answer was that I was simply misremembering. Only, that felt a little too easy. I had a little time on my schedule before I was due in China to teach a seminar on the care and feeding of thunder bees, so I set up my equipment and settled in to observe. I was expecting something mundane, one of the usual suspects like illusion frogs or psychic moss, or a simple late summer increase in clairvoyance pollen, but it turned out to be something much more unexpected. The first creatures I observed on the scene, appropriately enough, were barn owls and barn swallows. Now that got me thinking. Barns certainly aren't what you'd call a new technology, but they're a heck of a lot newer than owls and swallows. Amazing that these ancient creatures had such an intimate, almost symbiotic relationship with a relatively new kind of structure. How seamlessly they have integrated a technology that didn't exist in North America in its current form even a thousand years ago into their behavior. Strange, isn't it? Moreover, these particular owls and swallows were doing things I had never observed before. For example, I watched a barn owl carry roadkill into a hayloft window. They aren't carrying feeders. Unusual, but maybe not impossible. But I also saw it fly into the barn with an ear of corn and a shiny red apple in its talons. The swallows exhibited similarly odd behavior. I swear I saw one swallow swoop up under the barn eaves carrying an unopened bag of M&Ms. When I finally decided to investigate the barn, well... I picked exactly the right or the wrong time, depending on your point of view. I had the sense to throw on a safety harness and attach myself to Cassandra's remote winch system before I went exploring, and it's a good thing I did. As I approached the barn, I noticed a sharp, sweet scent, so powerful that it stung my eyes. The entire structure seemed to be crawling with flies, ants, and bees, all trying to find the source of that smell. 
I reached the door and didn't see any sign of a lock, so I reached out and took hold of the metal handle. It wasn't metal. It felt sort of moist and spongy like rotten wood. It left a residue on my skin that tingled a bit. The door was slightly ajar, so I reached into the gap and pulled. The door didn't swing open. It just sort of flexed outward with a sensation like pulling a thick rubber flap. That cloying scent intensified and a wave of humid air hit me. I flicked on my headlamp and ducked inside. I guess, in a purely visual way, it could have been the inside of a barn. It seemed to have a dirt floor scattered with straw. The interior looked like dusty wood dimly lit by thin, tilted sunbeams sneaking in between loose boards. But, listeners, everything else was all wrong. The air was thick and wet, with an acrid quality that stung my eyes and my nose. Everywhere was a jumble of food items in various states of decay. Half-rotten fruit, plant matter, and various small animals. Upon closer inspection, I could see that many of the surfaces of the barn looked like flypaper. Trapped insects buzzing and straining to get free. It was a grim sight that made me uneasy, which I gotta say doesn't happen often these days. I was made more uneasy when I realized that the sunbeams were shrinking down to razor-thin blades of light and then vanishing completely into darkness. I looked up just in time to see a gap in the wood contract shut. I turned back toward the door and saw that my safety harness cable was no longer resting in a three-inch gap. Now it seemed to be protruding from solid wood. Ah, I said to myself, and I hit the winch remote to pull myself clear of the barn. The barn resisted my escape, but eventually I popped through the wall with a squelching thwack sound, like pulling a boot out of mud. I sat on the clover a bit too stunned to think, my skin stinging, my eyes dazzled by the sudden brightness of being back outside. I did notice that high up beneath the eaves of the barn I could see the bone-white faces of barn owls sitting untroubled in little alcoves that seemed made just for them. I could also hear the happy twitter of swallows somewhere. Whatever was happening... It wasn't troubling them. I hurried to Cassandra to wash up, decontaminate, and grab more equipment. The barn stayed sealed, but as evening came, I made a few discoveries. First, the barn stayed warmer than the ambient temperature around it. Second, the structure was expelling various gases indicative of digestion and the stuff I scraped off my boots resembled nothing so much as stomach acid. I don't know what we call this cryptid. Barn doesn't quite seem to do it justice. More tests are needed, but my theory is that its survival strategy is similar to some carnivorous plants, the pitcher or the sundew. Unlike those species, the barn appears to have a symbiotic relationship with the owls and the swallows. Perhaps providing warmth and shelter, 
maybe even protection from predators. That said, boy howdy, there is a whole host of things I just don't know yet. How does it move? Does it have to look like a barn? What did it look like before barns were around? Is this a new species? Friends, I don't have the answers yet. And isn't that just part of the beauty of what we do? Crypto-naturalists, like any good scientific discipline, are a community of knowledge seekers. I've found a piece of the puzzle. I can't wait to see what my colleagues unearth. On that note, I'd like to share a new transmission I received today. Nature truly is an all-you-can-eat buffet of mysteries. Here, take a listen. This is Valentina Blackwood, transmitting on Cryptonaturalist Frequency 11-58-1. Moths eat wool. Is, is that news? I don't think that's news. Do you ever notice how hard it is to keep track of what's unusual and what isn't after any length of time in the field? Frankly, it was hard even before I spent all of that time trapped in amber, and now it's impossible. Anyway, if I have my facts straight, we, we thought it was just clothes moth and carpet beetle larvae that ate woolen fibers, but apparently not. Also, they weren't digesting it. I know because I'm looking at it. I'm in Wyoming, near a place called Hell's Half Acre. The moths are here, too. All of them. I mean, I didn't count, but it's all of them. Everything from hand-sized luna moths like shards of pale sea glass to the offensively adorable rosy maple moth. The wool is here, too. It would be unscientific of me to say that it was all the wool moths have ever consumed, so I won't. I won't say that. This landscape looks like a giant spilled his kitchen drawer full of stone cutlery and didn't bother cleaning it up. They've started weaving the wool between the sharp standing stones. It looks shaggy and gray. It's hard to see what they're making with all the fluttering wings in the air, but it reminds me of an angry storm front in miniature, suspended from the rocks. I see fibrous thunderheads building between the rainbow chaos of moth wings. I, I think this may represent the spontaneous, unpremeditated creation of some sort of new global moth religion. Or it could just be for fun. Hey, did you know? That if you get enough moths together, it smells like the first time the furnace kicks on in the winter? Sort of like burnt dust? I'll report back with my final assessment, if I remember. Valentina, over and out. Well, there you have it. If you get the chance to join Valentina, I'd take it. Go introduce yourself. Strike up a conversation. Thanks to a botanical mishap, she has six or seven centuries on most of us, so she's a great mentor of young crypto-naturalists. I'm going to stick around this barn for a few more days, but I'm going to have to move on before I have all the answers. And isn't that just the bittersweet crux of life on Earth? Stay safe and stay curious. Oh, and while you're at it, we're all strange animals. So, act like it.
A special thanks to Sarah Werner for being the voice of Valentina Blackwood. Sarah is a professional writer and podcaster who loves to help creators find confidence and success. She's a contributor to Forbes and creator of the Girl in Space and Right Now podcast. She currently lives in the Midwest with one husband, two rescued cats, and a ceiling full of spiders. Learn more at sarahwerner.com. The Crypto Naturalist is written and performed by Jared K. Anderson. Our theme song is Banished Misfortune, played by Andrew Collins. For more information about Andrew's music, visit andrewcollinstrio.com. For information on how to submit poetry or prose for the Hidden Lore segment, visit the About section of cryptonaturalist.com. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at CryptoNature, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Stay curious, stay wild, stay weird.